Welcome to Season 1 of Master the Prophetic Audio Experience. We are on a discovery journey to activate, grow, and release the voice of God not just for us, but the world around us. We interview guests from all walks of life and backgrounds and how their experiences with God has advanced their path to mastering the prophetic. This season, we're asking guests how the voice of God has helped identify and navigate life through seasons of hardship and crisis and how to even steward a season of success. Come join us now during this conversation. Um, this is my 35th uh, year of ministering and um, I've been in the prophetic ministry since 1989. And so uh, 25 years uh, in prophetic ministry, 35 years in ministry, and the prophetic ministry is something that is very close to my heart and something I want to see more and more believers come into uh, in the days to come. Um, and, and multitudes of believers are coming into a knowledge and understanding of the prophetic around the world. And so it's so exciting to see what God is doing around the world. Uh, so many people responding uh, to this particular teaching, to the books that we've written on the subject of the prophetic. And today I'm going to do a teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I've taught from this chapter many times. I want to entitle this, this particular teaching, Prophetic Protocol, and give you some important, I believe, um, uh, teachings on the subject of prophetic ministry, uh, some important principles uh, that will govern the prophetic, and really give you an understanding how you as a believer can move more in the prophetic, how you as a believer can understand the prophetic, how your faith can be built on, on the, in the prophetic, and how you can understand how to operate in the prophetic in, in, the, in the context of the church, corporately, what's proper, what's improper, what we need to do if we're going to increase our prophetic flow. And um, this chapter is filled with information and understanding on the prophetic ministry. The first verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 gives us one of the most important principles if you want to begin to move in the prophetic, if you want to begin to prophesy, if you want your prophetic level to increase. We, I get questions all the time from people asking, how do I get my prophetic uh, level to increase? How do, how do I begin to prophesy in, in a greater depth? Well, it always begins with a desire, and I want to emphasize that, a desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now, it tells us of all the gifts that we should desire, the one we should desire the most is to prophesy. Now, there are many different gifts in the, in, the, in the body. There are different anointings, different giftings. We often talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit, uh, the gifts of revelation, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, the gifts of power, gift of faith, gifts of healing, uh, gifts of miracles, working of miracles, uh, the gifts of utterance, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. But notice what Paul tells the Corinthian church. He says, number one, desire spiritual gifts. In the Greek, it literally means desire spirituals. So if you want to move in the things of the spirit, you have to have a desire. Now, unfortunately, many churches don't desire the things of the spirit. They either talk against them, put them down, say they're not important, or they say they're not for today. We don't believe in that for today. And as a result, they don't really move very much in spiritual gifts. The difference between moving in spiritual gifts and not moving in spiritual gifts is often a lack or 
a desire, a lack of desire, or simply a desire to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I would say this, never allow anyone to take away your desire for the gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit. Don't allow any preacher, any pastor to talk you out of this. It is important for you as a believer to desire spiritual gifts. It says follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. And the reason why you want to desire spiritual gifts is not so you can make a name for yourself. It's not for you to have a great ministry or to impress someone. It's for you to be a blessing to someone else. And so the motivation is charity or love. Uh, follow after charity, follow after love, and desire spiritual gifts. When you really begin to operate in the love of God and you want to be a blessing to humanity, you will desire spiritual gifts. But then he says, but rather that you may prophesy. And so of all the gifts you should desire, you should desire to prophesy. Our church never moved strongly in the prophetic until as the leader, I began to have a desire for the prophetic to operate in our local assembly. Before that time, we believed in prophecy. We were always Pentecostal. We believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We spoke in tongues, but our, our prophetic level was very low. We didn't have very much prophecy in our church. But when I began to get a desire for prophecy, I began to desire that to operate in our local assembly. I began to teach on it. I began to teach it in a way where the members began to desire this. I began to show them the benefits and the blessings of prophecy, why we should desire it. That's when our church began to increase in the prophetic. And that was in 1989. That's almost 25 years ago. And so it all begins with the desire. Do you have a desire to prophesy? Or have you had a desire to prophesy, but you've lost that desire because maybe someone told you, you you should not desire this or you don't need this or it's not important. Some people have, have been taught that you don't need prophecy because we have the word of God. We have the written word of God, the logos. Well, prophecy is a part of the word of God. And even though the word of God gives us uh, many biblical principles that we live by, and even though we don't exalt prophecy above the word of God, prophecy has a prominent place in our lives spiritually. If you are a spirit-filled believer, remember I taught this, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the doorway uh, to the prophetic. And so if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, there will be a door that you can, you can begin to operate in, uh, in the prophetic. And God does desire for you to prophesy, but he also wants you to desire to prophesy. So do you have a desire? Do you have a hunger for this? Do you want this? Uh, you're viewing this program, it's probably an indication that you do desire to prophesy. Sometimes we don't desire to prophesy because we're not around anyone who prophesies, or we've never seen it in manifestation, or it's not operating in our church, so there's really not a hunger or desire for the prophetic. But when you begin to see how this gift, this gift blesses people, and I've seen this around the world, I've had the privilege of preaching in over 80 nations and on five continents, and I can tell you, that wherever I go, people want to hear the voice of God, and they want to hear the prophetic word. And I've seen thousands of people's lives blessed, transformed, changed by prophecy. So I know the blessing of this gift. And so I, I have a great desire for the prophetic. I've had a desire for it for 25 years, and my desire uh, has not waned uh, in 25 years. I have a greater desire to prophesy now than ever before. 
And I believe that is one of the keys for the, uh, the gift of prophecy, the spirit of prophecy, uh, the prophesying, speaking by the, by the prophetic unction. I believe that's one of the major keys to beginning to operate in the prophetic. And then he tells us in verse number two, he differ differentiates between speaking in tongues and prophesying. He says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 3. It gives us the benefit of prophecy. When you prophesy, you speak unto men uh, to edification, which means to build up, to exhortation, which means to encourage, and to comfort, which means to bring solace. And so the, the primary definition of prophecy is speaking by the inspiration of God and speaking unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That is the primary uh, purpose of prophecy. Now, most people, when they think of prophecy, they think in terms of prediction or predicting the future. But the basic definition of prophecy is speaking unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So literally, you don't have to have any prediction in it for it to be a prophetic word. Now, you can have prediction within prophecy. You can have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to give someone uh, through the vehicle of prophecy. But many people think that if, you, if you're going to prophesy, you need to try to predict something. And people often get out of their grace by trying to predict something, and the prediction doesn't come to pass because they think being a prophet or prophesying is predicting the future. Well, prophecy can be a very simple word. It can be a word like fear not, do not be afraid, or be encouraged, I love you. I mean, it's amazing the words that you can give people. I've seen people break down when you just speak the word of the Lord to them, very simply saying, the Lord says, I love you, I'm, I haven't forsaken you, I'm with you. I've seen people break down just from that prophetic word. Nothing deep, nothing predictive. It's just a word of edification, a word of exhortation, and a word of comfort. And, and the church needs edification, it needs exhortation, and it needs comfort. With what people are being challenged with in this day, and every individual goes through challenges in life, well, you need to hear the voice of the Lord. You need to hear the prophetic words spoken over your life. You need to hear edification and exhortation and comfort. All of us need to be built up. Uh, the word edify means to build. It's from the root. Uh, it's the root of the word edifice. And of course, the church needs to be built up. Prophecy is one of the vehicles that helps build up strong believers and helps build up strong churches. Excuse me. So, uh, prophecy doesn't have to have any prediction whatsoever. It's just uh, speaking by the inspiration of God, words of edification and exhortation and comfort. Now, prophets can not only speak edification, exhortation, and comfort, but they can also give direction. They can give a prediction because within the vehicle of prophecy, there can be words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and revelation. And even an, a believer can give predictive words. So I'm not limiting any believer to just giving words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. You can give words of correction, words of adjustment, words of prediction. There, there's, a, there's a lot you can do through the prophetic word, but I'm sharing with you the basic basic foundational uh, definition of prophecy. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So we should desire to speak unto men 
words of edification, words of exhortation, and words of comfort. Often when we're training people in the prophetic, when I say train, you can't teach anyone how to prophesy, but you can teach them how to hear the voice of God and speak it out by faith. We have many uh, uh, exercises we do in our church, and I'll do a teaching on that in the days to come, different exercises we use uh, to help people get faith to what they see or what they hear, to release it, uh, to speak it forth. And often when we begin to, to do this, uh, we tell people when they first start to stay in the realm of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Because by doing that, no one gets hurt. We tell them, don't try to you know, see something uh, bad. Don't say, I see a dark cloud over you. Don't say, I see a death angel following you. You know, We don't want people to come and get a word that's going to destroy their life. So we, we keep them within the parameters of edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now, the more experienced you become in the prophetic, then you can begin within your prophetic utterances to give a words of correction, or words of prediction, or words of knowledge, or words of wisdom, or words bringing healing. And so you can, you can uh, get more in-depth. When we first start training people in the prophetic, we tell them to stay within the parameters of edification, exhortation, and comfort. The word edify means to build up. The word exhort means to encourage. The word comfort uh, means to bring solace. But also notice that the Holy Spirit is called a comforter. Uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. And that word comforter in the Greek, the word paraclete means a helper, an intercessor, a standby, uh, someone that comes alongside of you to help. One of the major ways that the Spirit of God helps us is through prophecy. Prophecy is a vehicle through which the Holy Spirit comforts us because prophecy comforts. And so often when people need comfort, when they're going through tests, trials, temptations, they're suffering, they want to hear the voice of God. Uh, we, as we prophesy to them, we, we, we release words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. And it's amazing how their spirits are uplifted, how their countenance comes back, how depression, discouragement is lifted, because you never know what a person is dealing with in their personal life and how they really need to hear the word of the Lord. So as we desire this, we begin to desire to prophesy, that's when the level of the prophetic will begin to increase in your life. And then it defines what it is. It's edification, exhortation, and comfort. Now there's another point I want to bring out. I'm, going, I'm not going to go verse by verse through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going, to, I'm going to pull some verses out. Notice in the first verse he says, follow after charity and desire to prophesy. Uh, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now notice as you go down to the end of the of the chapter, uh, verse number 39, notice the word that Paul gives concerning prophecy. He says, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Notice the word he uses, covet, a very strong word. So not only must you have a desire, you need to have a strong desire to prophesy. And he says, actually, covet to prophesy. The word covet often in the Bible is used to describe coveting something wrong or something evil or coveting something that is not yours. But in this case, it actually tells us to covet to prophesy. So Paul says desire to prophesy. But in verse 39, he says covet to prophesy. Have a strong desire to prophesy. So there's nothing wrong with your having a strong desire to prophesy. Don't let anyone talk you out of that. Don't let anyone tell you that's not right. 
sometimes people have this this teaching that if God wants you to prophesy, he'll just make you prophesy. Well, if God wants you to prophesy, he'll just give you a gift of prophecy and he'll just almost force you to prophesy. No, God works through our desire. God wants you to desire to prophesy, desire spiritual gifts, covet to prophesy. You need to desire it. You need to do your part. When you begin to do your part, then the Spirit of God will begin to move through your desire. And so desire, covet, is, is very important when it comes to the prophetic. If a church does not desire the prophetic, that church will not operate in a strong level of the prophetic. If a pastor does not have a desire for the prophetic, that church will not operate strongly in the prophetic. If, if, a, if a leader of a church or a group of churches say, we don't want this, we don't believe in this, chances are you cannot force that to operate in the church. I have people calling me and writing me all the time saying, well, what do I do if my church doesn't believe in, in the prophetic or if my church doesn't allow it or if my church doesn't want it? And I say there's really not much you can do. But you can want it, and you can desire it, and you can go somewhere where you can be trained and activated and move in it. Uh, don't let others' lack of desire keep you from desiring the gifts of the Spirit and especially from prophecy. So of all the gifts, rather desire to prophesy. because Why? Because it is the gift that blesses the church more than any other gift. Now, all gifts are important. Believe in healing, miracles, faith, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues and interpretation are, are the equivalent of prophecy. If someone gives tongue a tongue and someone interprets it, give understanding, it's, it's, a, it's equivalent of prophecy. But of all the gifts that bring blessing to the church, the one that Paul identifies that brings the greatest blessing is prophecy. And because it edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts the church. That's why I love to teach on this. That's why I emphasize it so much, because I know the great blessing it brings to the church. And my desire is to see the church blessed. My desire is to see God's people have all that belongs to them. And so I emphasize this almost more than any other gift I teach about. I believe in teaching on other gifts, but I, I spend more time teaching on the prophetic and prophecy because it brings great blessing to the church. When, when we have corporate prophecy, personal prophecy, prophetic presbytery, prophetic singing, prophetic worship, it is amazing the blessing, the encouragement, the strength, the comfort, the edification, how it builds people, how it makes strong churches. If you want a strong church, when we talk about apostolic prophetic churches, we're not just using terminology. We're talking about building strong believers and strong churches. Well, prophecy is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit that ministers and releases strength to the people of God, edifies them, builds them up, makes them strong, compass them, brings them encouragement, because one of the greatest weapons weapons of the enemy against you as the believer is discouragement. Discouragement will hinder you. It will block you. It'll lead you into depression. Discouragement will stop you from moving forward. It'll kill your momentum. Discouragement is one of the one of the weapons that the enemy uses against the church and against every believer. And so you in order to not to become discouraged, you either have to encourage yourself, you have to be encouraged through the word, you have to be encouraged through the gift of exhortation, but you also can be encouraged through prophecy. Prophecy is a gift that encourages us and it breaks discouragement and frustration. There have been times in my life. Uh, as a minister, where it seemed as if I hit a wall, where I just couldn't go any further, where I, where I hit, I hit something, and I and discouragement came in, and and I became discouraged, and even though 
I knew I was called. Um, it, I, I, I lost my momentum. But because I love to be around prophetic people, and because I know a lot of prophetic people, and because I love prophets, there's no way I could stay in that position because I'm around the prophetic so much that it's only a matter of time before someone that I, not, I may not have even talked to or talked about or talked my situation about, um, they release a word to me that breaks me through and edifies me and encourages me and comforts me and gives me my momentum back. And this, this, this includes preachers and pastors. I deal with pastors on, on, on a consistent basis who, who, who are discouraged, frustrated, they don't know what to do. And one of the first questions I ask them is, when was the last time you received prophetic ministry? Many of them tell me, I've not received the prophetic word in years, some three, five, ten years. And I say, how can you keep going without the power of God and the gifts of God and the gifts of the Spirit? And how do you go three, four, five years without even getting a prophetic word? Well, if there's no desire, there's no atmosphere, there's no culture, there's no teaching, there's no strong flow, it's possible to be in ministry for years and never receive a prophetic word. There's some of you watching me now, you've never received a prophetic word or, or you haven't received one on a consistent basis in years. Well, there's good news. God is raising the prophetic level and he tells us something that uh, I believe uh, is also important about our level of the prophetic. It's found in verse number 12, one of my favorite verses. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you just uh, tuned us in, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is a, is a chapter that really talks about uh, prophetic protocol and the proper way that a prophecy should function in the local assembly. It says this, even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. And notice those three words. Number one, desire to prophesy or desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 14 and 39, covet to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, zealous of spiritual gifts. So which means you should have a zeal for this, a passion, a zeal. Don't let anyone take your zeal for the prophetic away from you. Don't lose your zeal uh, for the prophetic. Keep your zeal. Zeal is good. Sometimes people say, well, you're too zealous. No, some people have lost their zeal. And if you lose your zeal, you lose your passion, you will not move in the things of God. If you're going to be prophetic, be zealous, be passionate. Now, we need knowledge to go with the zeal, but never kill someone's zeal. Zeal is important. Zeal means to have a passion. It means to have a desire. It means to be passionate about. It means to covet. So it says, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, that includes prophecy, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now remember, prophecy uh, is to edify the church. He that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So prophecy is a gift that edifies the church. But notice what Paul says. Paul said not only should you desire to prophesy, be zealous to prophesy, covered to prophesy, you should seek to excel in it. In other words, our level of the prophetic should never be below average or average or mediocre. It, we should excel in it. Now, when you look at the word excel, if you look that word up in the Greek, it means to superabound in quality or quantity. It's an amazing word. 
to superabound in quality or quantity, which means our, our prophetic utterances should abound in quality, even superabound, and our prophetic utterances should superabound in quantity, which means if you're excelling in the prophetic, you will not give one word a year, or you'll not hear one prophecy in the church in a year, or in every couple of years. Any church that has very little prophecy is not excelling in it. Anytime you hear the word excel, it means someone who's above average, someone that goes beyond the norm. And God not only wants us to prophesy, he wants us to excel to the edifying of the church, which is why we spend so much time teaching, training, activating, uh, sharpening our gift, because we don't want to just prophesy, we want to excel in it. We want to make sure that we're excelling in the prophetic. That's the challenge for every believer in every church. Are you Not only are you prophesying, are you excelling in it? Because many people say, well, I prophesy, and maybe they do, but maybe they're not excelling. Maybe their prophetic utterance is average, below average. Maybe every now and then they get stirred to prophesy, but is there a consistent flow? Uh, out of your belly flowing the rivers of living water, are you excelling in it? Uh, have you taken the time to study this, to operate, to sharpen your gifting, to get training, to get activation, to get impartation, uh, to be around others that prophesy? Uh, do you do it on a consistent basis? Uh, do you desire? Are you zealous of it? Do you covet to prophesy? And do you excel in it? See, your attitude toward the prophetic will determine your level. Again, our church came into the prophetic in 1989. We, at that time, we were Pentecostal, we spoke in tongues, but we definitely did not excel in prophecy. We had maybe one prophecy every blue moon, and that's, of course, using hyperbole, but we didn't, we didn't operate very much in prophecy. We shouted, we danced, we spoke in tongues, but we preached, we, we taught, we, we, you know, we did what Pentecostals do. We believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we weren't excelling in it until we got exposed to it, began to train, began to activate, began to impart, began to teach, began to move. Now our, our level of, of, of prophetic, I would consider, uh, is excellent. Uh, we, we've gone beyond the mediocre stage. We're still learning. We're still growing. We're always sharpening our gift. We're always, uh, we're always trying to excel even more. We're never satisfied. We haven't arrived, but we are, we are excelling beyond what we were doing years ago. So that's 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 12. Not only do, are you, should you be zealous of spiritual gifts, but you should desire to prophesy. Now, as you read down in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it says in verse number 22, it says, Well, for tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serve it not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So prophecy is primarily for believers. Speaking in tongues was a sign to unbelievers. It's taken from Isaiah chapter 28, with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. It was a reference to God judging Israel by sending the Babylonians against them that would speak in tongues in a language they did not understand. And so tongues primarily is assigned to unbelievers. Uh, it's interesting that uh, I, I have not taught uh, on tongues and interpretation, but there are times in our services where I feel, uh, I feel uh, an unction to give a message in tongues and to give the interpretation. Usually we spend more time prophesying than giving tongues and interpretation. But often I will feel an unction to give a message in tongues. And usually that happens when there are 
quite a number of unbelievers in our service because tongues gets the attention of unbelievers. It's a sign to them. It, it actually convicts them. And so there's a difference between prophecy brings conviction also to unbelievers, even though it's primarily for believers. And you see that in, in chapter uh, 14, verse 23. Or verse 24. Let me read verse 24. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, one a one unlearned, he is convicted or convinced of all, he is judged of all. Verse 35, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now this is one of the most powerful verses of how churches that move in the prophetic will bring conviction to sinners. We have found that prophecy, even though it's a sign to believers, and even though it edifies, exhorts, and comforts believers, it has a tremendous impact on unbelievers. It says that when people come into your assembly who are unlearned, they don't know anything about prophecy, anything about the Spirit of God, they're not even believers, and you begin to prophesy, it says the secrets of their heart are made manifest. Prophecy has a way of causing the secrets of the heart to be made manifest. God's word is able to go into the heart. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of the Lord has a way of going straight to the heart and revealing the thoughts and intents of the heart. When you begin to speak prophetically, uh, it's amazing how God begins to speak to the hearts of people and even begins to reveal the secrets of their heart. And it says, so falling down on their face, they will worship God and testify that God is in you of the truth. I, I so desire the prophetic to become a part of every local assembly. And when you begin to worship, you sing prophetically. We're going to do a teaching on prophetic worship as we continue this, this teaching online. And uh, when you prophesy how that, the prophetic, when it's incorporated in worship, how it, it has an effect on uh, unbelievers. Uh, it's amazing how unbelievers, when they get convicted, they'll begin to worship. And they'll begin to fall down and worship God and say that God is in you of a truth. And so I, I want to... I want to encourage you uh, in the prophetic. I want to encourage you to, 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 to operate in this because it is such a powerful, powerful way of seeing God move in an assembly and it brings such blessing. It, it edifies, exhorts, and comforts believers, but it brings conviction and worship to unbelievers. I love to see unbelievers beginning to worship God when they hear God's voice. They know it's God. They know that no one else can say that. No one else can speak to my heart like God. It's amazing when people come into your assembly, the things on their heart that no one has ever, they've never told anyone, and you begin to prophesy and you begin to speak those things forth. It's amazing how they get convicted. They begin to fall down and worship God, even though they don't even know the Lord. Many of them end up getting saved. So the word of the Lord prophecy is a powerful way of edifying, exhorting, and comforting believers. We should be zealous of it. We should desire it. We should covet it. We should excel in it. And we should allow it to flow in our assemblies because that is what also blesses or convicts unbelievers. Now, verse 29 says this. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn 
and all may be comforted, for the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. The uh, first thing I want to point out is that Paul actually limits the number of prophets uh, that could minister in, an, in a service, and he says two or three. Now, many people look at that and say, well, they emphasize don't go more than three. But I want to share this aspect of this verse to you. If Paul had to limit the number of prophets ministering in an, a local assembly in a given service to two or three, it must have meant there were more than three prophets in the local assembly. There must have been a larger number of prophets because Paul had to limit it to two or three. And just think of this. How many prophetic ministers, how many prophetic people are operating in, in a local church? And I'm not talking about one prophet, the house prophet, or the pastor doing all the prophesying. How many prophetic people have been trained, activated, released? How many prophets are in the assembly? I believe every church should have numbers of prophetic people. It should be more than three. If you have a large assembly, you should have more than one person doing all the prophesying. And so Paul says, if, any, if they prophesy, do it by two or three. Let the others judge. Let the other prophets judge what the prophet is speaking. So prophets need to be accountable to other prophets. No prophet is independent whereby no one can judge them or judge their utterances. Other prophets know the prophetic, and you pretty much know when someone is off and someone is on. And that's why you need to prophesy in, in a corporate gathering where there are other prophetic people that can hold you accountable, that can discern whether or not your prophetic utterance is of God. Everyone who's prophesying we know is not speaking by the Spirit of God with their safety in numbers, which is why we have prophetic companies, prophetic teams. We have groups of prophets in our church. Why we don't believe in lonely, isolated prophets. We believe that you should be a part of the prophetic community. Remember the difference between the old covenant prophets and new covenant prophets is that old covenant prophets were primarily prophesying to apostate, backslidden Israel. They were persecuted. They were hunted. They were killed. But in the local church, we should have a prophetic community where prophets are welcome. You should not be persecuted, run out of town, or killed if you're a prophet or you're a prophetic person in the local assembly. Because all of us should be prophetic. Every believer should be prophetic. So you should feel welcome. So there should be groups of prophetic people in the local assembly who feel comfortable to prophesy. And others can judge the level of the prophetic or whether or not it's accurate. And, 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 and they can take turns. No one should monopolize the prophetic. No one, one person should do all the prophesying. No one person should take up all the time. He said, let, let, let the prophet speak two or three. Let the others judge. If anything's revealed to someone else, let them come forth. I have a, a saying, don't be a prophetic hog. Don't hog the mic. Don't do all the prophesying. Don't take over the service. You're not the fourth member of the Godhead. There are other people that can flow. We know in part, we prophesy in part, and you can give your part. But if something is revealed, because sometimes when the prophetic is released in a church and people begin to prophesy, other prophets get stirred up, and they'll get some revelation, and they can come forth. Now, often in our churches, unfortunately, our services are not designed for this because usually we have the singing, the worship, a choir, an offering, and the pastor gets up and preaches, and there's really no room for the prophetic. Well, we're going to have to change, and leaders are going to have to change and give room for the prophetic if you want to see this operate. If you, if you don't give it time or room, it will not operate. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself in a service. If there's no desire, no zeal, no excellence, no, no room for it, it's not going to manifest. 
So leaders need to be open and really study this chapter to understand the place that prophecy should have in the local assembly. Then it says the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, which means if you have a word, you can hold it until the time comes for you to release it. You're not out of control. You're not wild. God's not breaking your arm. Uh, sometimes the spirit of God stirs in you the Navi from the inside uh, or the Nataf. I spoke on that last week when it falls on you. Sometimes when the prophetic begins to flow, many prophetic people start getting stirred. When one prophet begins to prophesy, another prophet gets stirred up and they'll step in and continue the prophetic maybe in a different area. But the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So there is order. Uh, it's not wild. It's not out of order. It, it can be done in an orderly fashion. Now many leaders are afraid because they think that if I release the prophetic because it's inspirational or spontaneous that maybe it's going to get out of control and so aren't things supposed to be done decently and in order? Well absolutely we're talking about prophetic protocol there's a way for it to go and as a leader you should not kill the prophetic you should govern the prophetic you should allow it to operate you should teach on this how it flows how would it work with one another how would it release the word what right at the right time how to give space to it when when there's an opportunity when the anointing is flowing uh, how to excel and how to do it in an excellent way uh, and, and these are things that can be taught and once the congregation becomes uh, uh, understanding of the prophetic and once the congregation begins to understand the different ways the prophetic is released then it's, it's very easy to flow in different dimensions of the prophetic we are on the final months of 2022 don't go into another year without hearing the voice of god go to www.impactuniversity.com to download your free copy of our brand new master the prophetic devotional to help you hear the voice of god for your now season and your future feel free to text us your questions on the prophetic deliverance or any other subject at 773-923-0451 Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.